This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with my beginning of FY regular guest, Larry Allen of Allen Federal. Larry, welcome back, man. Mark, thanks. It's great to be back. Happy New Year to you. And to you. What a weird way to close out the year. And gee, what a surprise starting with a yet another continuing resolution. By my count, it is now 24 out of the last 25 years we started with a CR. That's right, Mark. And uh, most people should be used to a continuing resolution by now. The current one runs through December 12th and funds all uh, federal agencies uh, more or less at the last year's levels. Uh, not a lot of big changes. Uh, one of the things that I think that's significant about it is that the entire government is operating on this basis. Sometimes we have specific agencies that get their appropriations on time, but not this year. Um, yeah, uh, it, and, and we won't get into, uh, into that particular aspect, but what are the other nuances of uh, CR that those uh, newer to the market may need to know about? Probably the biggest thing people need to remember, Mark, is that CRs mean no new project starts for any project that was relying on appropriated funds. The word continuing in CR is important here because it gives the government the ability to continue whatever it was already doing. So if your project was looking for new year money via the appropriations process, it's not going anywhere right now unless Congress passes the final appropriations or your customer comes up with another type of money they can draw on. Uh, Conversely, if you were able to start a project last year or the year before, uh, you can keep working on that project, completing the phases, doing the software and technology updates, whatever uh, needs to be done, but you just can't start something new. Okay. Now, um, the Constitution does require Congress to pass a budget every year. Uh, We have this discussion every year. And is there any possibility at all to go to a multi-year budget, uh, especially considering the current climate? Well, that uh, makes all kinds of sense, really. And you've had a number of people uh, from the Office of Management and Budget and industry, economic experts, all talk about the benefits of having two-year budgets. It's not going to happen, Mark, unfortunately. Uh, Ultimately, Congress just does not want to give up control of the annual appropriations process. I suspect that even if Congress did try that on a pilot basis, that one year where they were supposed to skip over, uh, there would be a lot of midterm corrections made because people would come to Congress and say, hey, we need tweaking. Uh, So I'm not sure that we would ever really get to every other year 
what I'm hoping for this year is a relatively short CR uh, that will enable spending bills to be passed before Christmas. I'm a little optimistic that that could happen, but we'll have to see what the outcome of the November elections uh, brings us. And that brings up the uh, the other elephant in the room. Uh, if the elections do not turn out the way the incumbent wants, is there a possibility of a shutdown? Well, I think there's a possibility, and I know we've seen this in some of the industry trade publications. It's very acrimonious time in our national politics, Mark. I'm not sure I see a shutdown. What I see is if the polls prove to be accurate, uh, not just the presidential polls, but the ones uh, for certain Senate races, I think there's going to be a lot of desire on the part of Senate Republicans after the election to do an appropriations bill. Uh, because it's going to be their last best effort at being able to shape that bill. If the polls true out in the next Congress, both the congressional houses would be majority run by Democrats. uh, So Republicans would have less of an opportunity. Right now they have the Senate and a fair amount of votes in the House as well. So that gives them the best chance to shape something. So that's why I'm optimistic that we could see something before the end of the calendar year. But there's so much speculation about all the other potential fireworks we could see between now and the end of the calendar year that, uh, as Betty Davis said, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Well, that's not going to (laughs) change. All right. So the CR is here through December 10. Uh, topic number two, our our favorite continuing daytime drama, CMMC. Is it going to last? Is it going to change? What the heck is going on? <laughs> well, Mark, I think that's a really good way to set it up. You know, CMMC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program, one put in to ensure that contractors who handle controlled unclassified information at DOD have proper systems in place is really getting out of the box slowly. And we've had some turmoil with the independent oversight board that uh, DOD put in place to help certify companies who will in turn be the third party certifiers for actual contractors. Uh, This has gotten out of the gate very slowly. There is substantial confusion over the types of people that need to be certified. Uh, In the meantime, we've seen a lot of companies come out of the woodwork offering to help uh, contractors get certified. And it's important to note that as of my knowledge, Mark, I don't think a single company has yet to be approved by DOD to actually do the third party accreditation. Uh, If there is one, it's just one. And hint, those companies are going to start with the Boeings, General Dynamics, and Raytheons of the world. To answer your question, it's inevitable that DOD is going to have to push this out uh, to the right in terms of delaying the implementation. Simply put, there's just not going to be any way to get enough companies through the process 
uh, on time to have anything like a good competition. So that's what my prediction is. I think this is, we will eventually see DOD ask Congress for more time to comply. Did I or did I not see a due date for contractors a while ago? Well, the, the current due date is 2025, so it's five years. <laughs> However, you know, this summer, a lot of DOD agencies were talking about beginning to put CMMC requirements into procurements that were supposed to come out at the end of FY20. Obviously, that couldn't happen because nobody was CMMC accredited, Mark. Some DOD offices still insist that they are going to do CMMC procurements uh, in the first quarter, the first half of FY21, uh, but they're only going to be a trickle of companies that have gone through the process. And, you know, if you've gone through the process and your competitor hasn't, and suddenly a requirement comes out that you have to be CMMC accredited, boy, the company that's not is going to uh, probably protest <laughs> because DOD is creating an unlevel uh, playing field. Uh, so I think the burden is going to be on the agency to show exactly why it needs to have uh, the CMC requirement in some of those first procurements when competition and the ability of people to uh, you know, participate in the market is going to be very limited. Okay. Um, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio. I'm here today with Larry Allen of Allen Federal. You can find Larry at allenfederal.com, A-L-L-E-N, federal.com. And Larry and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here again today with Larry Allen, my regular beginning of the FY uh, guy and interspersed throughout the year because Larry and I always have, uh, uh, I, I have a ton of questions. He has a ton of answers. Uh, <laughs> it makes for good radio, uh, at least from my point of view. So, Larry, uh, GSA, uh, in its infinite wisdom, pulled the plug on Alliant Small Business a few months back, and now they have launched a new program. I guess it's to replace the Alliant, and they're calling it Polaris. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mark, you're absolutely right. The new GSA small business GWAC government-wide acquisition contract is going to be Polaris. And this is the successor to the ill-fated Alliant small business two contract, but it's not going to look just like Alliant small business two Mark. In fact, GSA may have some real differences in this contract. They're looking, for example, at making a Polaris one of the contracts that doesn't have contract level pricing. A couple of years ago, GSA was given the authority by Congress to have uh, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contracts without contract level pricing, so-called Section 876 authority uh, for the part of the DOD acquisition bill that gave them the authority. GSA hasn't come right out and said they're going to do this for Polaris, but they're strongly considering it. And I'd like to encourage them to move ahead. Uh, I think this is going to be something that 
uh, is going to be tested in the marketplace. Uh, GSA is talking about doing it for part of their schedules program. I think doing it for Polaris would give the agency a broader sample of contracts to determine exactly how that authority is going to be used and what type of customer satisfaction it meets with. So I think that that's a good approach for the agency. Uh, they're talking about innovation, as always, but they're, if you read the letter that they sent out, Mark, they're very serious about attracting non-traditional government contractors. Uh, this is going to be a small business set-aside contract. So those that are small businesses that have innovation and cutting-edge technologies, this could be something to look at. I think that uh, you know, there's a lot here that could potentially go right but there's a lot here that could potentially make Polaris look just like another contract. Well, let, let me ask a question here. I sat through a briefing last month by GSA, an hour briefing where the introductions took 21 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it, I mean, you could have done this in five minutes from my perspective for what they said, but they indicated at that point that this vehicle was going to be, for hub zone and women. And I, I didn't see anything about that in their latest announcement. No, I think it's going to be a little broader based to all types of small businesses. Certainly GSA has an interest in attracting hub zone women owned businesses along with other uh, disadvantaged minority businesses uh, to its contracts. Uh, but I think this is going to serve the gamut of small businesses. It may have some JV and teaming elements to it because that seems to be where a lot of IDIQ contracts are going. But I want to back up for a second and kind of get to one of the points that you entered into this segment with Mark, and that is it took 21 minutes to introduce the speakers. Look, we can't take five years to put a new GWAC in place anymore. <laughs> GSA is talking about we're gonna we hope to have a draft RFP RFP out in several months. Several months could be May. Several months could be you know, this time next year. I'd like to encourage the agency. They're they're talking about they want to make Polaris innovative. They want to make it both innovative from the terms of the solutions. They want to make it innovative in terms of the, how the contract is managed and put in place. If you want to be really innovative, GSA, you can get the contract out the door and try and get it awarded in six or seven months so that those small businesses that get awarded have time to use the new vehicle during the FY21 busy season. That's what I think innovation would be. Uh, and I'm encouraging GSA to move quickly. And if they will go with the option of not having contract level pricing mark. That's going to cut down on the time. It's also going to cut down on the likelihood of a successful protest post-award. Uh, so GWACs and other IDIQ contracts are widely used once they're put in place. And they offer a lot of benefits at the task order level. One of the things that they've been suffering from is lethargy in getting the contracts developed. And it's not just GSA. All the agencies that put together uh, GWACs uh, run into this multi-year development process. That's so 1990s, Mark. <laughs> we, you know, we're using technology today in different ways. We have 
machine learning available. GSA itself has talked about making uh, machine learning uh, available for its contract management processes so that contracting officers can focus on the things that they need to do, but all of the other work can be done on an automated basis. That's got to speed up the time to get the contract to market. And that's what I'm focusing on. Yeah, and GSA does have a post on their blogs. If you go to gsablogs.gsa.gov and just look for the Polaris GSA's Next Generation Small Business GWAC, uh, you can read their point of view. But Larry, if it's not available for next year until, you know, like late in the FY or not at all, uh, the impact on smalls will be significant. Well, I think, you know, you're talking, Mark, about having a couple of fiscal years where there's not a broad-based GSA small business GWAC for IT solutions. Uh, you know, this is what Alliant 2SB was supposed to be. And GSA did what it could for FY20 by uh, extending 8A stars out, but that really was only if you were already on 8A stars. Right. <laughs> uh, they're doing uh, they're what they can with their other contracts, but those contracts like Oasis are for services. They don't have a real broad-based small business IT GWAC vehicle. Uh, and you would think, you know, not having one for the end of FY20, all right, you can't really do much about that. But boy, I would really want to challenge the agency to try and have one in for the end of FY21, because that's a, you're talking about small businesses, you're talking about the marketplace. And, you know, these are contracts once awarded that small businesses actually get a lot of business on. So uh, if you're trying to help small business, I would think you would move a pace. Okay. So any hardline predictions from you on this? Uh, as much as I would like to see GSA get this contract in place by April 30th, and that's my stated goal, because I think it's doable. You know what you want to do. This is not your first IT contract. Uh, you have a pretty good sense of who the, the users are going to be from the government side. You have a pretty good sense of what your contractor universe looks like, uh, just go ahead and do it. And you've already talked GSA about doing extensive on-ramps, which means you don't have to have everybody awarded right out of the gate. But as much as I think that, I think uh, we'll probably miss the cycle and uh, you know, maybe sometime before the end of the 21 calendar year, we'll have some contracts in place. How exciting. <laughs> um. <laughs> missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. Uh, uh, it is liable to be a missed opportunity, but I... I I agree. This, you know, I like the direction they're going. Uh, I particularly liked initially that it was for hub zone and women because there's not a specific contract for either. Uh, but at the same time, I was worried that a lot of other small businesses that could participate in Alliance small would be left out period. So um, I'm still thinking that, that, two contracts may be required, one for hubs and, and women, and then, then another for all smalls. That's just my two cents. 
Right. Well, uh, certainly, I think, you know, if GSA foresees that there is a groundswell of interest among specific uh, groups of, of small businesses, that's certainly something they could do. Uh, as I said, they have an 8A program for 8A stars. So. Right. But I, I've I've spoken with a number of both HubZone and women-owned businesses. And when that, after that first meeting, there was significant interest, but neither here nor there. Right. All right. So we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to be talking uh, about uh, civilian contracting popping up to almost $230 billion. So you're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Larry and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with my friend, Larry Allen, the superstar of all things contract. Um, I'd call you the godfather, but I am. <laughs> Merely a capo, Mark. Merely. There you go. There you go. So uh, from Bloomberg, I got this thing the other day. Fiscal 2020 civilian contracting hits record $228 billion, billion which uh, over 19 is an increase of uh, $34 billion. So uh, talk to me about this. Well, we thought that we were going to have a really strong year in civilian agencies uh, after COVID hit in terms of all the things that agencies were going to be spending, and we were right. Also, Congress provided the agencies with uh, significant appropriations authority uh, way back uh, at the beginning of the calendar year. Uh, and this was the, the culmination of all the work that we thought we might see. Certainly COVID threw a wrench into it in the middle of the spring. All of the acquisition action went over to uh, healthcare related spending as you would expect it would. But then in September, it came back to uh, where a lot of traditional spend and at the end of the year is IT, uh, commercial items, services, things of that nature. So, uh, and it all got done and all got put out uh, under contract uh, using a lot of streamlined uh, acquisition methods. All the numbers aren't in yet, but I know uh, NASA Soup has said that it did record business uh, this year. So I would imagine that other GWAC programs will say the same. Yeah, I think NITAC is going to show a significant bump as well. Right. So you know, if you have a lot to do at the end of the year, those are the types of vehicles you use. If you're not going to do a small business set aside or a sole award uh, justification, you know, these are the contracts that you use. I think that uh, you know, it's a very good way to end the year. We'll see what we do, not so much with FY21, but with FY22, Mark. I, while the FY21 dollars aren't finalized, they're not going to be radically changed from where they are now. Is the House already, for example, they've passed all of their bills for FY21, and I don't see them being substantially changed, just got to get the Senate to get its act together and they pass a final package. So, and I think 21 for that reason will look fairly similar to 20, particularly for civilian agencies. You're going to start to see defense spending uh, 
uh, level out. But 21 is shaping up to be another uh, good year. Uh, 22, if you're looking ahead, contractors, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> FY22 could be a little uncertain. Because of the debt? Yeah, we're right. We really don't know now, but I think you know, the I think it's noteworthy that uh, Pentagon's five-year budget does not include any increases uh, after FY21. It expects there to be flat spending. Uh, we saw the head of the House Armed Services Committee say recently that uh, that's what he was hoping for, as opposed to uh, potential large cuts that. Uh, new, a new Congress could want to impose uh, on DOD. What that means for civilian agencies is very uncertain. Uh, you could, in fact, see some defense slowdown with a proportionate increase in civilian agency spending. Uh, but that'll be for FY22. In contractors, you have to watch this space because this is your market. You had a good year at the end of this year. You probably are going to end up having a decent year next year. But uh, you can't uh, assume that the sun will always come up on government procurement. Mark, you and I have been in this industry long enough to see the mountains and the troughs of contract spending. And we know that there can be troughs. Significant. And, you know, not to belabor the point, but neither of us has ever seen anything like covid so the release spending for that is is going to uh, impact a lot of things two, three, four, five years down the road. Uh, I think it will. There's no question. Uh, you know, people were so focused and correctly so on the emergency of getting everything in place uh, this year. But I think we're going to probably see some ripple effect uh, over the next year or two. We're still going to have COVID with us moving into next year. And federal agencies, whether it's COVID spending or defense spending, um, as long as there's a threat or perceived threat, there will be attendant spending to it. If the threat goes away, even though there could be other threats, history has shown us that uh, there's a great willingness to scale down uh, and not spend so that the next time a crisis comes, we will repeat the cycle. Right. So um, to to kind of wrap up on this uh, civilian contracting side, SBA did announce, did it not, that they had uh, reached their goals? Right. SBA, uh, again, reached their small business goals. And I think that's notable for a couple of things. One is they've reached their goals mark several years in a row now. The other thing that I think makes it notable is that with the use of technology and tightening up some oversight, the numbers start to really reflect true small business use. Used to be a, the old saw was, well, you know, you can't really trust those small business numbers because Lockheed Martin was listed as a small business. The SBA has done a very good job of vetting out that type of uh, misinformation uh, and doing a better job of focusing in on the benefits that are actually accruing to small businesses. So are the the meat behind those final numbers is getting better so that the final numbers themselves really tell a good story. 
Yeah, I haven't looked at the uh, GSA GWAC dashboard on this, but can we assume, uh, I should never assume, but uh, is it possible that Vets 2 and uh, 8A Stars, you know, had uh, had good years as well? I believe so. I haven't looked either, but particularly, you know, 8A Stars got a lot of press at the right time of the buying cycle, people had forgotten about the contractor, thought it wasn't usable. They were reminded that A, it existed, and B, it's very much usable. Uh, so people were running short on meeting their 8A goals or were just looking for an easy, fast way to make an acquisition. I would imagine 8A stars got the benefit of that. You know, vets too, vets are always an important part of uh, the socioeconomic business in uh, the federal government, uh, widely used not just at the VA, but by other agencies. So we'll have to see where those numbers are. But as we started out uh, this segment, I think generally speaking, this was probably a good GWAC year for business. Yeah, I mean, ease of use, um, you know, both stars and vets too are best in class. Oddly enough, so was Alliant too. Uh, small, but now there's that void. All right, so um, we're going to take our final break and come back and wrap up with some uh, uh, news about NASA's soup program and perhaps some advice for, especially for smaller contractors going forward. So you're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Larry Allen, allenfederal.com. Uh, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. Larry Allen is my guest. He's a frequent guest. He's a frequent guest because he knows a lot of stuff. And I get to ask him questions about stuff that I'm unsure about. Uh, I am very sure about our next topic, though. Since 1993, NASA Soup has been an exemplary GWAC. In 1993, OMB authorized NASA for the first GWAC awarded. And uh, ever since, uh, it's just expanded and performed extremely well. So the news this year, Larry, uh, and you you mentioned it earlier, is that uh, it grew a little. It did grow a little, uh, up to $9 billion, Mark. Uh, That's a, a substantial amount of business. I think it's indicative of the popularity of the soup program uh, with buyers. Uh, It's also indicative of the very good work that Joanne Wojtek and her team do in managing uh, the soup program office. Sometimes it really pays to have an experienced veteran uh, like Joanne at the helm, more tailored solutions for specific customers. They do a lot of work with relatively few resources in that management office, uh, Mark. And uh, one of the things they do is they make sure that specific customer agencies really get solutions tailored to their needs, whether it's a one-time buy or whether it's a catalog that they set up for buying through soup contracts over time. It's been a very responsive contract. It's been very popular. And that amount of business allowed them to reduce their administrative fee moving forward 
it was already, I think, among the very lowest in the GWAC world. So now it's a little bit lower still. Yeah, and you, you mentioned something uh, that I find also extremely important, uh, that Joanne's been there a while, but Darlene has been there. Darlene Cohn's been there mm-hmm. with her forever. Teresa Kenny, George Nicole, she, the staff has been remarkably uh, stable. And Marcus Fidelli is back after a, a several-year absence. Uh, he was there for several years, and now he's back as well. So their ability to function well has to be in part Joanne's ability to keep a team together. Oh, I, I no question. I think that's exactly right. Each of the people that you just mentioned, uh, Mark, are very well known uh, in industry. I think they're very well known among some of the major soup customer agencies. They all have great reputations for being uh, responsive and extremely professional. You can see what happens when you put a good veteran team with uh, that's well coached on the field. But yeah, this is uh, an example of, of uh, soup uh, working well. And then when it works well, it keeps other acquisition methods on uh, their toes. So I know that GSA uh, watches soup a little bit in their rearview mirror. I know that NITAC uh, tries to emulate several of the same things that soup does for its programs. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So that well, has to tell you they're doing something right. Right. Best practices are best practices. And, and I'm not certain there is anyone in government with as much GWAC experience as Joanne and her team, for that matter. So the fact that they do not sit on their laurels and she's always, you know, touching base with her inner circle, including people not on her team, people like you, to bounce these ideas off and say, hey, is this something we should do or consider going forward? Right. And uh, she's done a very good job of making soup the contract that it is today, but also making sure that soup doesn't become more than NASA can handle. Uh, So, you know, it's still very product driven. Uh, A lot of software buys go through soup, but it's not a services vehicle, Mark, and that's intentional. Uh, And I suspect it will continue to be that way. The one thing I will say is that, look, you hit $9 billion this year. Soup's going to start to get some attention. You know, they do a lot of things right. We'll have to see uh, what type of attention they get from the oversight community. When you're that big, you know, they will start to look and I'm sure soup will be ready for that. But I wouldn't be alarmed if we started to see that type of activity. I think it's rather just a normal indication that the program is big enough for people to look at. Yes, uh, agreed. And, you know, Lord knows Congress hates to uh, let things that run well. They don't want to leave them alone. (laughs) Right. Uh, But, you know, I've made fun of them before, but if they ever touch something like this, we'll be, uh, we'll be all over the air with uh, whatever we need to do. But, you know, you you did say one thing there. Soup does allow for services that are associated with the products it sells. Right. But that's the only instance. And it's up to, what, 15% of the order? Uh, It's been a little while since I looked. I think that's about right. 
soup is not going to be an IT services contract. No. So if it's a service that's related to the product that you're buying, uh, that's one thing. But uh, yeah, they're not going to put labor categories, for example, uh, on the on a soup contract the way GSA does on uh, seventy. Right. All right. So congratulations to Joanne and the soup team. Let's wrap up with you know some things that Smalls in particular have to be paying attention to. I mean, we we've discussed several of them. CMMC is going to be huge going forward whatever incarnation it takes, even if it goes back to the NIST cyber compliance model, totally. You have to be compliant on the cyber side of things. Smalls may be impacted more during the CR or not. Um, I think it depends on what type of small business you are, Mark. Uh, If you're an established small business that has existing relationships with agencies and a good list of active uh, contractor partners, uh, you're going to uh, weather the CR storm just fine. If you're a smaller business or a newer market entry that uh, doesn't have the relationships, I think it's going to be a tougher time. Uh, but I think not just and not just because of the CR. Uh, look, you know, we're going to have, uh, regardless of the outcome of the election, we're going to have a lot of people turn over. Uh, it's just what happens. Every four years, you have people leave and, and shuffle off and go into other uh, agencies or go back into industry and new people come in. And that always slows things down a little bit anyway. So there's a little bit more emphasis on the tried and true, the reliable and low risk, and perhaps a little less uh, for uh, something that's truly innovative or cutting edge. Uh, unless the entire project office is still intact uh, and a little more difficult, I think, maybe to get noticed. Okay. Let me me ask a different question here then. And this one is going to be uh, self-serving and kind of a commercial for (laughs) the Larry and Mark show. Why do smalls need people like you and me? Well, I, I think they need people like you and me, Mark, uh, to focus their energy, focus their opportunities. I've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing it for a long time. And I, we've both seen companies, and this isn't just small businesses, look at the smorgasbord of government opportunities and try to say yes to all of them. Look, the shotgun approach doesn't really work well. It uh, works well if you want to drive your blood pressure up and get frustrated. <laughs> but otherwise, what you're really looking for help with is Uh, to focus your energies, focus your opportunities, do the background market research so that you can identify the best potential fits for you. And then what technologies, what capabilities do you use to establish the relationships? It's not mass emails intent. It is things like LinkedIn and it is things like uh, showing up even at the same virtual conferences that uh, federal speakers uh, go to so that you have something common that you can reference when you reach out to them. So that's, that's the type of thing. And one of the things I'd also say is you talk to successful small business owners 
And the one thing they all say is that this is not a go it alone business. Uh, you don't want to t waste your time and money reinventing the wheel. You want to be able to draw on the expertise of people who've been where you're going. And that's another reason why people come to Mark and Larry. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there is no fast way. There's no easy path into this market, but it can be made easier if you find the right advisor. Now I may not be the right advisor for all companies out there. You may not be the right advisor for all companies out there, but when they call us, uh, I think they can be aware that if we're not a good fit, we'll tell them. And we're both liable to suggest somebody who is a better fit. So if they're in the middle of a bid process, it's certainly not me. Um, and I have a, a stable of people. If they're having a small business legal issue, it's definitely not me. I can aim them at you or any one of the lawyers that you and I both work with that specialize in this market. But if it's a marketing issue or if it's a strategy issue on where to go, we can be your people. Right. Well, I think that the bottom line is that uh, – any good consultant is going to be able to uh, use their knowledge and connections in the market to help a client get established probably better and much more quickly than if they tried to do it on their own. When you go to school, you go to school and get your education from people who know about things and you end up coming out of school and it helps you uh, succeed. It's almost the same type of thing. Uh, when you go in for surgery, you want to make sure that, you know, you're using a doctor that's experienced in, in your area um, and not one whose education is based on YouTube videos. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's the same type of thing. And when you're contemplating uh, work in this market and, you know, it really is the bottom line. You spend pennies on the dollar to get established and your return on investment uh, is really going to help your company in the long run. That's it. There you go. Larry, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Always appreciate it. Mark, thank you very much. And again, happy new year to you and your listeners. Uh, indeed. Uh, as, as I indicated, this is not my day job. I advise companies on, the the especially the social selling side of things content marketing building the subject matter expert platform but at this time of year larry and i both are advising several companies sitting in on their uh, fy 21 meetings to help them formulate the strategies so larry's at allenfederal.com i prefer find me on linkedin or drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com and thank you for listening to Amtower Off-Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off-Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There's a better way to drive traffic to your e-commerce store. Harness the power of AdRoll Dynamic Display Ads. Promote your products with interactive ads. 
or showcase your best offers with an in-ad video. Not only is it easy for customers, you save money too. Dynamic display ads lower cost per conversion by 50% compared to static ads. See the difference. Visit adroll.com to get started today.